I think all the tech's working today, but we don't know because, you know, the tech, the tech demons were just, thank you for waiting. <laughs> we're here now. Uh, wouldn't you like to be able to keep everything well struck? Wouldn't you like to be in control of all knowledge and have the key to the structure of the universe? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we would too. And we're going to tell you about how tonight on the Mosaic Arc. Yeah, well, we're here now. Okay, good. We, we made it. We made it through. The <laughs> what happened? We've had flies. We've had my camera just turned off and on for no reason in particular. Your Skype. To, we've we've got we've got some serious interference here from the uh, the electrical realm tonight. Bells above is buzzing. Oh no, Lord of the Flies! <laughs> what should we do? What should we do? It's been you I know. I actually do. I have I have a massive March fly in the room that I can't get out. That's buzzing around, driving me mad. Wants to be part of the stream tonight. Clearly, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. How how have how have things been down there in in Commonwealth land with the funeral and stuff this week? Um, it's been interesting because uh. Of course, it's the new thing to worry about, and so we have the um, the queen is the new thing the to new worry about. The queen is the new thing to. Oh worry my goodness! About because, I did not uh, anticipate this. I thought no. I thought just pageantry, Harry and Mick. No, why is she the new thing to worry about? No, well because she's died, therefore reminding everybody that she exists. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Australia seems to forget that it's a constitutional monarchy, <laughs> and. Um, because she's dead, now we have to talk about her. That's the way it works down there. Ah, okay, okay. Um, so, so the okay. Politics, uh, you'll be arguing for uh, respect uh, to the passing of our sovereign or you're going to be having uh, fiery arguments about why Australia should finally become a republic. Mm. So uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, a lot of uh, Indigenous activists have been discussing that they don't want anything to do with the, the British monarchy and, uh, uh, of course, talking a lot about colonialism down here. And so, yeah, uh, 
a, a bit of a different conversation than you've been having in America by the looks of it. <laughs> I don't know. I realized I spent, you know, I spent Monday on Telegram looking in and out of clips of the, mm -hmm. the pageantry that was going on. And every time I, I'd see a little, you know, sort of moment of the her coffin moving along the street or going into the the chapel or being lowered into the crypt and stuff, I'd get really weepy and then I'd have to look away because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be overcome by it, which I found interesting. Mm -hmm. And and then thinking, it's like, what are, you, what are you thinking? You're a historian and you're you're not watching the historic moment of this <laughs> this enormous transition from I did I did feel I mean we've been talking about in a, in in effect talking about the queen for weeks now because we did the right. the vending machine empire that began with Elizabeth I um, uh, mm -hmm. very well I mean her father but really Elizabeth I and then um the gladriel who has that timeless quality. I mean, this the, the thing the thing that I realized made me most weepy thinking about the queen is Tolkien was alive uh, when, when yes when Elizabeth was you can see it leave the fly it's um, it's it's your Elizabethan Tolkien. fly yeah um the the Tolkien was alive and there's there's this one moment in when he's talking about the lineage in Beowulf and how. Our present queen's lineage goes back to, you know, shield sheafing in, in Beowulf. And I'm like, you know, that was always like really cool to say, we're still in, you know, all of my Tolkien thing, we're still in the same story with shield sheafing and Elizabeth and her ancestors and Tolkien here. And I'm teaching you this class and now she's dead. I mean, I suppose technically Charles is still... <laughs> related to shield sheafing and the and and the kings and beowulf and so forth but it it's not the monarch that tolkien knew yes uh it's the end of an era it really is the end of an era the 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 last connection to old britain mm. what i would consider to be old britain because uh we i mean in in australia they used they they used to sing god save the queen i mean this was a very pro uh monarchic continent for a long time because it was you know the colony of great britain and uh yet we we've had a very strange relationship with the monarchy uh in australia so not so much viewing it mythologically as you would and as tolkien would mm. uh australians don't have that mythological connection to the british monarchy which is why this week sort of uh, provoked everyone to interesting responses because uh, I don't think Australians understand the mythology of the the monarchy in general. Uh, hmm. It's 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 seen as a political machine. And none of so not that's mythology. very interesting. So so I I have I mean as an American I have this fantasy that you Commonwealth folk are are you know very uh taken up with the monarchy because all we have i mean the all we have in the united states is i had people in my telegram with you know american flags and stuff sneering at the fact that i was sharing these videos um yes. being like what we don't need no king um <laughs> but but on the other hand i think there's ways in which the yeah, united like, states yeah the, the united states is very invested in the existence of the king to not need Yes, well, that's your defining myth, isn't yes. it? Yes, <laughs> part of your defining myth. <laughs> you you can't 
you can't really be a staunch republic unless you've rebelled against something which is not a republic. <laughs> right. So without the monarchy to rebel against, yeah. what are we? we yeah. Yes. That we have to be the anti-monarchs or nothing. Which me, which means yes. that you know, so I, I, I missed out. I spent too much time, as as we all know, on the road this this summer, and so I missed getting to go to the local Renaissance fair, which has mm -hmm. a, you know an actress dressed up as Elizabeth the first, who's never convincing. I've 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 long wondered about that. Why can you you can't simply dress someone up in the costume and have the effect mm -hmm. of the the monarch? I mean, it, it's it's more than just the costume. Although the pageantry in the costume is is obviously part of it, um, but I I missed out on my fantasy version of Renaissance Renaissance Fair even this this summer, which I'd say it's like that we have Renaissance fairs all over the United States is pretty telling. <laughs> we we still somehow want to belong to sounds, Elizabethan <laughs> England sounds, somehow. Yeah, it sounds like. You're withdrawing from the pageantry of the uh, the British the British system a little. <laughs> Me personally, or the United States? No, we even... want that. We want all of the pageantry. No, the United States. Yes, you do. You really do. <laughs> the Australia. Uh, I don't think that we are. I don't know how to describe our relationship to the British monarchy very clearly, but um, like. People don't seem to understand that the queen was the sovereign of the country. It, it's a it's a kind of um, it's a distant amnesia of Britishness. That's the best mm. way I can describe it here. Australia has forgotten what Britain actually was, uh, and she's on the money. But there's no. Uh, ritualistic connection to it in public life so the passing of the queen has been a kind of a uh, kick for everyone and suddenly we have all the monarchists coming out of the closet <laughs> saying oh she was our queen we have to respect her when uh, as part of the conservative conversation um monarch uh, the, the monarchist position has not really been a part of that here hmm. uh so it's very interesting that uh suddenly the the conservatives of the country are uh, defending monarchy um, when it's never really discussed as a fundamental part of uh, conservative politics in Australia. I find that very interesting. That is very interesting. And we've had a lot of, uh, it is very interesting, the, the loudest voices for the Republican movement uh, in this country are now um, covering the Queen's passing or they have been covering the Queen's passing in the last week. Um, so there's always been a, there's always been a push in Australia to have a referendum and, and uh, declare ourselves a republic, but for some reason, Australians aren't ready to give up the monarchy, uh, even though they don't really pay attention to it and don't acknowledge its existence. It's a very, very hmm. strange, very, very strange relationship with it. So there is a kind of amnesia here that, uh, that has been broken by the by the funeral procession um as a as a it's a reminder that uh you know we come from britain we come from this system uh i think that was probably the most thing in terms of the australian observation of the queen's uh 
the Queen's funeral and all of the pageantry. Mm. We've just, we kind of got a bit of a poke down here to sort of say, oh, hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're missing out on. <laughs> um, yeah. It's interesting you keep talking about amnesia. Mm. You, you've been you've been reading something this the, the this this book you wanted to tell me about. Are you gonna you can talk to me about this? Yeah. I, possibly relevant to this problem of creating mythology and how do we do it and where does it come from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've 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 well I've <clears throat> I, I, I like tumbling down rabbit holes. Okay. As you know, you promised me a uh, rabbit so hole. I collect, I collected some pictures, but but I think I, you know, we'll see where we go. Well, I I bought this gem, which is a, a study on myth, magic, and metamorphosis in the Italic branch of the Western inner traditions. Mm. It's called the Magic Door. It's fantastic. So I've been um, I've been going through this for the last uh, little while. Uh, as a part of our reading for for Draco Alchemicus, mm. and um, the 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 whole book is is a description on the Greco-Roman formation of the of the mythology of the Roman Empire, hmm. um, and so a big part of this is how to recall origins and recall the roots of uh, of a particular civilization. So it's been it's been interesting reading this as we are now being uh, asked to recall the roots of Australia uh, in, in British Empire and British civilization and what that means. Um, and, and, yeah, we've got a big memory problem in Australia, <laughs> <laughs> which I've known for some time, but after reading this, it's really, uh, it's, it's very obvious. We have a memory problem. Well, well, take us in. Take us through this magic door. Where, where should well, we start? Oh, should should we go through? We might we we might not ever come out. So there was a well, yeah. We go we go down the rabbit it. hole. I mean, we end up in the in the I I'd say some kind of mystery library of knowledge and how do, I I all so I've titled this. I've told people that, that we're talking about the architecture of memory tonight and why why should i set it up that way based on the hints that you give me that are in this book <laughs> okay we kind of planned this ahead of times but i don't know what she's been reading so we need to we need to, no. to delve into this she's promised me secrets i i i am revealing i'm revealing all um so this this is a basically a look at uh the role of hermeticism in the Greek and, and Roman cult practices. And it's it's a brief overview of why ritual was so important in ancient Rome informing the Republic and then later on in, in the imperial era of the Roman Empire. Mm. Um, and having an understanding of uh, the tradition in Roman life, which was trying to tap into a kind of ancestral mythology in order to realize Roman identity. So part of this was uh, the mastery and manipulation of memory through all of these mnemonic techniques. And it sounds very woo-woo because it is. <laughs> um, 
they were essentially practicing a kind of occult magic system in order to um, formulate national identity mm. in Rome. Um, and a, a big emphasis on this was on their ability to recall their uh, their identity uh, as connected to uh, Aeneas and the, uh, the story of the Aenid. So that's kind of where we get, get started on the magic door. Okay. So um, this particular person that I wanted to ask you about, because I know that you've been doing some work on architecture as well. Mm. They were mastering a mnemonic practice or the art of memory and something that was called the theater of ideas in that they would create a kind of memory palace um, and construct a Roman identity based on this uh, internal theater. So it kind of links to everything that was going in terms of the the link between pageantry and the formation of an identity based on roots and origins, uh, the origin story of a civilization, these kinds mm -hmm. of things. I've, uh, um, and of course it's triggered me because uh, <laughs> Australians don't have this at all. So we return back to what exactly is Australia because um Romans existed because of their foundational mythology and these cult practices, which were linking them mm -hmm. to uh, continuous remembrance of their uh, their origins, their mythological origins. Whereas Australia doesn't have this, even though we're still technically a part of the British Commonwealth, and even though the Queen is sovereign of the country, uh, we haven't talked about this at all we never discuss it but in the queen's passing it's become a sort of a total recall that we're a part of the british system so yeah okay so um th this this is the problem of the study of history although i think i mm -hmm. think from what you've told me about the book he's doing something a little different from simply saying we study history but i think it is it is topical yes. to the kinds of discussions that we keep ending up with, keep ending up in our Telegram channels and generally online. And I mean, also feeding into the kinds of arguments that are floating around out there about defining nationalism and, and what is it and yes. and whether, I mean, that this phrase Christian nationalism that's that's been going around. But this is this is simply saying there's something I mean, you said mystical or woo-woo. Uh, how yes. do you? How does a nation understand itself to exist? It's fundamental. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's a fundamental sociological problem, a historical problem, um, spiritual problem of why do we? Why do we? The the the, the phrase the the term that has been bouncing around in in my some other my other discussions this week is egregor, right? These, these collective entities that somehow create a feeling of 
like angelic existence <laughs> um that and in mm-hmm. in antiquity that angelic existence of the collective was defined as the genius of a city or the 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 god the divinity that rome has a has a reality to the the ancient romans not just as this i mean they have maps but they're not like our maps but you know not just as this location in in place but as somehow existing through all of this collective consciousness N- neither of those yes. terms that they would be using it in the period I say say more about the, the the memory system that i'm used i'm used to thinking of is the one that the rhetoricians use to give their speeches and they okay. they go through um a, there's i mean i have i have pictures of some of the ways that people use this this kind of structure famously in in the the renaissance period where they'll they'll imagine a location and then imagine different vivid scenes in different parts of the location and by way of taking themselves through this building as it were they can recall you know very elaborate speeches and and so forth and that that i mean that training in rhetoric is is known throughout the middle ages it's known into the into the renaissance and um uh, you know, some people became very famous of being able to remember like whole, you know, sort of encyclopedias of information because of the way they train themselves. What you're describing, your author, the book, the what's the author of your book that you're looking at? David Pantano. Okay, what, what Pantano is describing seems to be building a little bit more than on just that ability to structure yes. knowledge. It, it it has this this um, esoteric or mystical feel to it as well it uh, it definitely does he he's he's sort of talking about the two ways in which the um the mastery of memory was used one was in the the oratory so mm-hmm. for the for the rhetorical for people being able to remember um raw data and the other way was in that what people were remembering and forgetting essentially constructs their identity Okay. So this is the the uh, the more mystical element to it, in that the Romans were seeking to guarantee that Romans would always remember a particular um, uh, mythological narrative about their own origins in order to retain Romanness. Okay. Um, and that the techniques that they were doing in order to guarantee this were somewhat uh uh magical in in the sense that they yeah what does he mean by magic uh, in this sense that's that's very interesting because i mean there's the the sort of heroic ability of these renaissance memory artists to to remember stuff I mean, the, the most famous one, and maybe I'll show his instead of this one. I was showing Camillus's, but I can show Giorgiano Bruno's. Yeah. This this vast, like, you know, sort of network of all of these associations. He Bruno was considered magical in, in his it, just his ability to recall stuff. But what you're describing okay. sounds a little different. Well, they wanted that ability to be able to have a recollection because... Uh, According to this writer, the idea of, of being the dominant power was the, the ability to uh, remember and to mm. uh, 
be the repository of history. And so if Romans themselves had forget had forgotten their mythological or origins, they were no longer masters of history and masters of time. So mm. they had to remember themselves in order to then um, be able to uh, maintain their their Romanness and therefore their empire. And, it, and so in terms of how it was seen as as magical, I found this I found this really interesting. Uh, it was a series of initiatory practices, and so essentially they were going through initiations into pagan ritual in order to train memory mm. to be able to do this. Um, and later on, uh, post-Renaissance, uh, a lot of Italian societies were set up to continue these uh, these practices, um, including people that had gone on to uh, form the, the fascist movement, movement in Italy. So it was, it was very interesting reading this, that the ability to uh, recall mythological origins in order to then retain memory and retain the ability to master history had followed through all the way up until the fascist era. And these, uh, what most people would look at as, as very hyper-rational people were actually very interested in um, uh, the kind of occult manipulation of their own psychology. Mm. So um in terms of what they wanted to do was uh bind the roman mind there by creating a particular architecture of what it meant to be roman um yeah so this this kind of links to what we've already been talking about in terms of things like uh the obelisk this president uh, in America. And, you know, <laughs> well, so I monuments, think you, but... you said fascist and I'll just put the obelisk up. Um, yeah. You know, yep. I, I, as you're describing it, I'm thinking that this particular author may, I mean, he, he's more modern than ancient in his yes. fantasies. <laughs> um, because I'm, I'm curious. So this, this is an interesting we what we could end up realizing is the modern period is much more mystical about history than than the ancient world although i mean as we're studying the ancient world it's often hard not to you're always looking through the the 20th century the 19th century in its fascination with the study mm -hmm. of the ancient world to try to figure out in fact what the ancient world was like and i we we've talked about this a bit in in our poetry work, when we were talking about the city, the ancient city, um, particularly mm -hmm. um, which a book I haven't read, but I've read about, so whatever, um, Fustel de Collonges' study of the ancient city. And one of our group was saying, oh, you know, this is really cool. He's talking about how these cities had these these collective existences. And I'm saying, well, yeah, because he made that up. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, the 19th century was so interested in trying to define itself that it it mm -hmm. creates mythologies of the, the ancient world, which is, has made it very, very difficult for historians. And I think it, it's like studying history is constantly like this. It's this perpetual onion that you peel off the layers of modernity and then you end up with nothing inside. <laughs> and you're saying, wait a minute, no, there was something there. We know that, for example, um, you know, Livy, which 
Vox is always Vox Day is always pr pronouncing Livy. I don't know why it's it's Livius, because I have a classical education. Um, you know, the, Livy in the Augustan period is writing this this vast history of the re Republican era, and you know what we know of the mm -hmm. Republican history is de is very dependent on Livy. Virgil is you know doing what. In fact, what we're trying to do in Draco Alchemicus, he's going to write a new myth <laughs> uh, for yeah. Rome. And um, by way of that myth, give the Romans their Homeric epic. I mean, he directly does that because Aeneas flees from Troy after the fall of, of the city and, you know, various adventures, loves and leaves Dido in Carthage, ends up in, in Italy, fights Turnus, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, end, you, you, you have that both Livy writing the history and Virgil writing the historical epic, creating this um, mythology for the new empire under Augustus. Mm -hmm. They're definitely doing that. The force, the, the magical sense that they have, how much of that is theirs and how much of that is hours in modernity because modernity just modernity longs for significance in this mythological sense it's mm -hmm. so interesting because you think we think of modernity as all scientific and and um you know yeah. rational and such like that no the, the modernity is so drowning in mythology it's it's really fascinating so in that case when so he he's describing that 19th century desire to have this mystical empire in that case we're going in two directions but it's the, always the, like this talking to me sorry it's always going in two directions <laughs> um we've got casey and, and mel have been watching and saying that Colosseum mnemonic device is fascinating, the building blocks of memory as actual blocks. And I think that, that the Camillus that yeah. I was showing looks like the Colosseum, right? That you can see in the architecture, the literal architecture of the empire, this desire to structure. Um, and and Casey's case saying Bruno's diagram looks like an eye. Yeah, so there's this, whatever structure we're going to end up talking about, is it's got to be human and it's... Um, like architecture and design and, and so forth. But yes, so we're going in two different directions. And I think the book that you, you, you've been reading, he's, he's both looking at the past and, I mean, the fascists, for one of my classes, my European Civ class, we teach an, a very famous essay by, well, allegedly by Mussolini, but it, it, it was ghostwritten um, for him, in, where he's trying to describe fascism. And fascism was very purposely highly mystical but of the, mm -hmm. of the nation uh, that, that, the United States pretends we don't do this mystical stuff. We, <laughs> we were just talking about the queen, right. And, you know, consider the way the United States creates in the same period as, as Mussolini's Italy, a, a very highly symbolic version of itself, which as we've just said, is, you know, contrasted with the monarchic and, and so forth. So think of it in those terms. I mean, you're reading a book that is, it, it resonates with us right now because we need this kind of somehow, how do we create a, a mythology when we don't really feel like we have one anymore? Mm. 
Well, this is this is the interesting thing with the passing of the queen because um, we're having discussions on whether or not we we stay within the Commonwealth or we, we become a republic, but we don't have the same uh, revolutionary urge to become a public that America did at its founding. Mm. So our reasoning for doing this is a completely different thing. Um, but we haven't really got a collective memory of uh, revolting against the monarchy. So it, yeah, it's 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 been a strange thing to remember that we have one. Um, but in terms of the the memory issue in this book, uh, it it sort of linked to the other thing that happened this week, which was that people had decided to attack the the Washington mm. Monument. I've got that graffiti at a distance. I don't have you can't see it. You can't see what it actually says. It's a little rude. Okay. <laughs> But it oh. is splashed red paint <laughs> at the base. It sounded, you no, know, when everybody started talking about the, oh, they marked up the Washington Monument. Washington Monument is really big. And so to mark it up to, to any level, it's, it looks, it's kind of. You need a lot of paint. Well, yeah, but they didn't. I mean, it's it's about man height for writing on the monument. The monument's way bigger than that. So it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an interesting gesture. But you've had, you've had a lot of, statue destruction mm -hmm. in the states in recent years um we had a we've we've had a, a few sort of grumbles here and there about particular public monuments that aren't uh, politically acceptable anymore but nothing to the degree that the united states has had so there seems to be this desire in america to reform the collective memory of the country we don't have here so when I remember I said to you a couple of weeks ago, we're kind of living in the dream time still. We live in an amnesiac continent. Uh, we don't have this, uh, we don't have the same kind of enormous monuments to national identity that America has, like Washington, uh, you know, what's that mountain? I can't think of the name. Mount Rushmore. The Mount yeah. Rushmore. Yeah, that's the one. You know, you've got, you guys have giant, faces on a mountain it's just it, it's crazy australia has like the big pineapple and a couple of other really big <laughs> fruits that you see when you go around that's that's our idea of national monuments it's like we'll blow up a fruit to enormous size and then we'll go and visit it but hey we've got giant guys... prairie dogs in say in south dakota next to mount rushmore so don't don't you know don't don't pretend that you're the only ones with roadside attractions no, we, 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 well, yeah. And then you got, yeah, you, all right. You've got some strange ones, but in, <laughs> in terms of like a massive, massive monument, uh, you've excelled at this. So there's something about America that wants to remember particular things. Mm. Australia seems to not really care that much about, um, creating a monument. That's what I wanted to ask you about because in terms of the discussion on, uh, forming collective memory and also right. just on the mastery of memory in general, all of the argument around the statues and which statues are appropriate and which need to be uh, pulled down, uh, it, it seems to be this This is the crisis in the, in, in the States with people that are unhappy with it. What people are remembering 
what people right. are allowed to remember and what people are allowed to forget or should be forgetting. Okay, so this, I think we've gotten to a really interesting place, which my none of the pictures I chose for discussion are, are going to help because we went to some other place. It's a okay. live stream. Yay. <laughs> um, if, if, if I were able to use my iPad in the way that I wield it usually in my irritating way, look, I've got a picture for this now. Um, okay, so we have... <laughs> We have Pantana. Sorry, you I just throw your curveball. Yeah, I did. No, it's great. I'll put the I'll put the Masonic thing that I found up. I, I can. We can go with that now. Um, that we have. On the one hand, your what? What is it? Pantano? Can Can you look at look up? Look in the book and Pant it, see. Pantano. It says who he is. Because I'm I'm interested now in your author and and where he's coming from and he's some random he's some random this is this is fine which <laughs> some random this is this is the way we yeah. find things in the mosaic we start you know we start sort of surfing around and th and stuff and stuff shows up and and I I did have I did have this fun here I'll put the Russian church up I think that one's actually probably more appropriate here it's like I have no idea what this is and mm -hmm. it looks symbolic so. <laughs> I found it in trad picks today, right? We'll, we'll go there. Um, that we have Rome inventing itself, which it definitely did in the imperial period. That it, it's it's mm -hmm. it's hard for us as tourists in the present to remember one that actually a lot of things like the Roman Forum are dug up in 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 the modern period. Throughout the Middle Ages, some of the monuments are still there, but they're stripping the marble off of them and using them to build other things and, and so forth. It's like the Colosseum was never really sacked. It was just looted for, for building material. Mm -hmm. um, as compared with, for example, the Pantheon, which was consecrated as a church in AD 609. I know because I had to look it up because somebody somewhere was saying, uh, yeah, it was, it was in, it was in one of the, you know, the contemporary political health uh, issues um, discussion saying, you know, people in the Middle Ages believed, you know, that it was inhabited by demons and only the, the high clergy could go to the Pantheon. I'm like, that's nonsense. It was a church, <laughs> which is why it's still in good repair, because it's been used as a church for all these centuries. So you have some monuments left and and looted, some monuments maintained. Um, I've lost my tra train of thought. Our, our sense of what ancient pagan Rome looked like is 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 very is various depending on what was valued in the subsequent centuries. Um, also, what was okay. recovered, what the archaeologists um, you know have put back up. Right, there's a lot of stuff in the forum now that you see that has either been excavated or you know the pillars have been stacked back up after they fell over and so forth. So. I mean, e even our sense of what ancient Rome looked like is a fiction of our own preservation of it. Um, and then, actually, I think my Russian church is confusing me because that's not helping. What shall I put up to uh, help me with my mnemonic? Uh, I'll put the obelisk back up, Washington Monument. Oh my gosh, all my pictures are gone. I turned something off. There we go. I'll, I'll just have Washington Monument up. Um, which is probably the best thing because it's this fictional mythology. Here we have Washington memorialized by this Egyptian obelisk, and none of that's none of that is in continuous use. Ancient Rome did the same thing. I just said uh, Virgil is writing the Aeneid to pretend that Rome has some direct connection with Troy, which is an utter fantasy. Uh, I mean, yes, there were 
you know, colonies of Greeks in, in um, Sicily and stuff like that. But the, the sort of, mm-hmm. you know, claim that we're going to make a direct connection by way of this story to this older civilization that we value as being ourselves part of, it's, it's exactly like sticking that obelisk in, in Washington, D.C., So we've got so in that in that case they're basically appropriate. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they're okay, so there's a there's a lovely bit of cultural appropriation there. Um and we've decided what to remember and forget depending on what we've dug up in Rome itself and what's been used. So you you've mentioned that the par- the Parthenon was used as a church. The Pantheon. The the Sorry, the, the, Parthenon the Parthen- so church. the Parthenon is in Athens. Uh, I think it yeah. was used. I was it ever used as a church? It has no roof because the Turks were using it as a um, ammunition store, and it blew up. <laughs> so I mean, it's interesting that the, the the monuments of antiquity have been through just, you know, to to tell a story of why any of this stuff survives is itself very fascinating because it had to have been valued at some point for it still to be there and. Therefore, it's it's a sort of continuous layering over of mythologies to end up with these things still existing now. So, would would the fact that the person the Parthenon Pantheon, <laughs> which one? The Pantheon. I'm really confused. Sorry. The Pantheon. The Pantheon. I've been in when the, you think Pantheon, Pantheon. The no, rain comes through the for roof. Pantheon. Just Pantheon. Think, think, think the image that Thank we you. used in Aurora Borealis for when the Griffin grabs the panda. <laughs> it's that, okay. That's All the right. Pantheon. I should know this. We wrote. We wrote it into a we book. We did. Um, we made our own. We. <laughs> but this is the thing. We made our own myth of it, so that now that yeah, when you see did. that o- Oculus with the light streaming through it you should think griffin there you go it's it's that's our new mythology yes. for bears <laughs> we'll see what happens when you forget oh. the myth goes out the window but but you layer onto it this is a much more productive place than we're, we are going than i was planning on so i'm happy about this i just don't have the pictures for it okay um and i so i'm too visual so the point of these memory palaces which i thought we were going to be talking about which is fine is that they give you it's clearly broken. That's down. fine. I, I'm showing Camillus's <laughs> now. They give you a structure to put things in. And I realize this is the way I study history. I have to have a picture. Mm-hmm. But in, insofar as I am anchoring the arguments that I'm making to a design, to a diagram, I'm very medieval in my memory practice. Right. That's a, that's a, I, or or okay. maybe Dante, right? We're going to talk about Dante. We'll put him in the universe, right? That that you yeah. you know things because you've ordered them in this diagrammatic structure, and that that diagram, I mean, in in a in a in a practical sense, keeps you from going nuts because mm-hmm. there's a place for everything. But it's it's sort of a it's a spatial representation of something that can work both. Um, temporally and and spatially, so linearly and and ge- geometrically. Um, okay. And and that 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 is the sort of mystical woo woo stuff that I think 
your book has been pointing to is saying the Romans used this kind yes. of structuring of knowledge to give themselves an identity. And we see it played out in the landscape and in the architecture. And that's the way they define themselves as a people. That is true. Um, whether, whether yes. he's, whether he's accurate in his representation of the ancient Roman understanding of it, it, it it's very interesting because the Renaissance and modernity has used that in ways that we built out our cities, we've designed whole whole sort of um, urban plans of architecture. What's fascinating is that right now in the present, people don't tend to know that stuff, and it and it's well, they've forgotten. It's relatively they? new. I mean, it's within you know, it's it it was blown yeah. up and lost after nineteen forty five for the most part. Okay. So we've got the, we've got the, what you described just then about how to order memory sounded a lot like a cross, mm. having the temporal and then the, uh, the vertical. Yep. Uh, uh, the writer mentions that in this book as a part of the practice, they were uh, working on uh, two levels of uh, format memory formation but that sounds a lot like the cross it also sounds a lot like what the church has done <laughs> well, uh, yes <laughs> throughout, throughout the millennia of its existence so uh can you explain that a little better because you've you you've sort of we've got the pantheon as a church and now what you've just <laughs> described sounds to me a lot like what the church has been doing aha Aha! <laughs> right, and then and then you end up with so modernity's great amnesia about Christianity, which is is mm -hmm. is certainly a place I'm happy to go for. Um, that it tells itself stories about. I mean, the Renaissance did this, right? The, the Renaissance uh, um, neo pagans. I, mm -hmm. I think like Giordano Bruno. I mean, he 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 does this sort of fancy. I'll you know, put his eye back up. You know, sort of mystical you know philosophical design structure he he got burned as a heretic so <laughs> yay bruno um <laughs> that, that the in the 15th and 16th centuries the scholars the intellectuals are very excited by um the pagan literature that they're reading now that they they create a story that oh throughout the middle ages nobody was reading this stuff that's somewhat true but not entirely because there are texts that they're studying that had not been studied in that way in, in the Middle Ages. Um, some of the texts they're discovering, they are finding in 9th and 10th century copies. And then they say, oh, these are the ancient manuscripts. It's like, no, they're actually Carolingian, so they're technically medieval. Um, there's a, there's a, there, even as they're trying to make these great memory palaces and this story of antiquity in the Renaissance, they're inventing another one. Um, so okay. that's that's always the first layer that you have to get through to get to the point where you understand how much we've lost in modernity that the modernity itself the renaissance invents it, it it's how many layers of invention we've we gone here right we've got the let's say the greeks inventing themselves through their homeric epics which is one layer because mm -hmm. those epics were, you know, of a, a past that's older than the time when we think they were written down. Um, the Romans coming along some hundreds of years later, 
like a thousand, you know, when is, when is Homer supposed to be written? Rome's not founded until 753. Well, it's a long time, right? They look back on the Greek stories and say, we want that. So they write their own, but those are completely invented and made up. Um, I mean, we'll talk about what Christianity does, which is a little different than in the Renaissance, the, the Italians come along and say, oh, well, we like these ancient uh, lineages of story that we used to think we had. So they're going to invent that. A few hundred years later after that, the fascists come along and say, well, Rome, Italy is all, Italy hadn't existed throughout until the 19th century. Italy as a country, mm -hmm. as a nation is, is, is invented in the 19th century. And then the fascists have to come along and give them a whole new version of this myth. And they make a lot okay. of architecture in the night in the twentieth century to 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 shore up that mythology. So it's it's this storytelling and this architecture over and over and over again. And you can get very weary of of saying, well, when 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 is the history actually real? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you know then? <laughs> oh I'm man, just, you I'm, think I do? I sound brain, nuts enough now. <laughs> There are these horrendous buildings in Rome because I've been there quite a few times. Okay, tell us about Rome. <laughs> and horrendous buildings, all the stuff Mussolini and the fascists constructed. It's so ugly compared to the rest of the city. Um, and I, I, I knew someone uh, who was kind of working on fascist architecture a while back, but it was hilarious because you kind of drive around, you've got all of these beautiful palazzi and, you know, gorgeous, uh, gorgeous old buildings everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're kind of smacked in the face by this brutal cube <laughs> of uh, sort of arrogant ugliness that doesn't belong anywhere. Yeah. And Every time I'd see one, my friends would say, oh, yes, it's a Mussolini construction. It was really awful. Why anyone would uh, admire the fascists based on that one thing alone. <laughs> they did not have a flair for design at all. Not. Well, what I'm thinking it was, is. It was not ancient Rome. You know, they didn't have the flair of the ancient Romans. Uh that i mean rome rome as a city itself is a marvelous example the layering of this exercise because mm -hmm. it is so many different cities all in when i when i've been there okay. i i i think it's one of the other theaters and you see one of these ancient theaters maybe the theater of marcellus that's built up later mm -hmm. as it, it feels like it's an early modern palace or something like that and they just build themselves onto you know that that um like rome built rome is built on rome but it's it's rome built with rome right it's like they grab rock and stone from mm -hmm. one place and build something else with it and then add another bit onto that and that it's it, as a city itself so many different mythologies all in this architectural layering they know how to do it definitely in Rome, but they, but, but then Mussolini came along and he had to write and build new ones, new, a new version of the mythology because his was slight is somewhat different from, you know, Dante wasn't in Rome, so that doesn't, that's not relevant, but you know, that each, each yeah. of the layers there, it, the, 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 you know, the, the Catholic one is different from the, the medieval one is different from the Baroque Catholic, which is different from the, 19th century nationalist which is different from the 
fascist 20th century, which is different yet again from whatever the you 20th kind of, century is built on top of that. You're kind of describing a rolling wheel of fan fiction. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. I don't, how are we supposed to know and anchor ourselves in history if it's just rolling wheels of fan fiction? I don't. See what my job is like? <laughs> These yeah. rolling, yes, they're rolling <laughs> wheels of fan fiction. That's exactly what they are. The, the, and, and history is used to create that sense of truth. But the more you mm -hmm. dig down into these layers, you're constantly finding, oh no, this this story was invented in this century to shore up a particular sense of identity at that time, which is then later used to say either some some you know, well, it, 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 okay, I'm sorry, audience, we've got ten people watching on unauthorized, which I think is really good. Um, maybe one of them's me, but okay, nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that you. You want so much. I mean, think think about the metaphor we're using here. You want so much to have a foundation somewhere. You want so yes. much to feel like there's rock. If you could just dig down far enough, you'd find the base, the base where this whole sort of elaborate story architecture has been built on top of it. And yes. you keep finding another layer underneath. So it's not really geol. It's not like geology. It's uh, I'm sort of seeing things more. Uh... Yeah, it's the it, it's Rome. It's cities build on cities, build on cities, build on cities. Mm hmm. Mm. That's really interesting. Okay, so <laughs> you've adapted to this very well as a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought well, we were going to talk about one well, thing, and it's turned into this completely different thing, which is is. I, I, Go ahead. Oh no, I'm just thinking. I I come from a continent without these layers, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a very strong con contrast for us because uh, we don't have these layers. We don't have uh, rolling wheels of fan fiction because we we really haven't even put the first layer down the first fiction doesn't really it's not even very clear to me at the moment right i think this is the issue with the queen going back to the queen's passing yep people were jarred out of this atemporal uh chaos and and sort of jutted and and reminded wow actually <laughs> we, we've got some origin somewhere else that isn't this uh landmass and and whatever is going on here at, at the at the moment so yeah we went we we don't have these layers to dig through compared to other parts of the world so in terms of mythological retellings uh we're in a different situation Okay, so th there's two ways that this works. And now I'm showing the library. Okay. Um, one, you have buildings. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, it, you know, because, well, I, I spoke last week at an architecture conference. So I'm thinking it's like architecture is very interesting because it's very purposefully done always. 
I mean, you can do it for, mm-hmm. for ceremony, you can do it for acoustics, you can do it for symbolism. Um, in, in McLuhan terms, it's always, you know, our architecture is this, this it's a, the, 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 obviously the most monumental extension that we have of our, of our bodies, because um, it's somehow like a skeleton to keep you safe when you're inside it. Uh, and, and then you extend mm-hmm. architecture out into a whole city, and right, you have this, this, this built environment. And it, it is obviously... Mm-hmm far more durable than the people who build it. Some mm-hmm. of it is anyway, it's stone, right? So it continues to exist. Um, but it's still an extension of our imagination and ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you know, the architect, it's, it's, you have that one layer of architecture. And then since I'm showing the library and then there's the stories that we tell about it, right? So there's the, 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 the script, the written stuff, the, the, the spoken things, the, the language part and the building part. And both of these together can create incredibly strong illusions, which is the mystical part. Okay. Uh, did you see, you, like you're saying in Australia, I, I mean, I'm thinking of Canberra, right? Which I saw in a, in a um, television show called Rake, which I may, you may have watched. <laughs> <laughs> For the people who don't Everybody know. Everybody hates Canberra. What? Well, did you, did you ever? Everybody hates Canberra. Yeah. Did you see Rake? Have you ever watched Rake? Is that a thing? No. No. Okay. It's like, it's the barrister, no. the cute, the, he was, he was Queen's counsel and then he loses his job and then he ends up in prison and then. I mean, character rake, right? But uh, it, it, several, one or two of the seasons were set in Canberra, so they had, uh, but they were using the old Parliament building as the seat, the setting for when they're meeting yes. in Parliament, rather than the new one, which gets blown up or something, or they have to evacuate it. It's it's, it's complicated. That did burn down last year, uh, yeah, well, and, <laughs> as in the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I mean, th- there is a way in which it's 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 faux monument in the same way Washington DC is just mm-hmm. not at the scale that our capital or some of our other buildings are no Canberra's a cupboard <laughs> but it is it is it's monumental a, it's, architecture it's, of a mythologically something significant style yes but it, it's a very odd one because there's no story attached to it in terms mm. of, uh, the, you know, a kind of emotional significance that you could attribute to any of the the architecture because Canberra only really exists due to fighting between Melbourne and Sydney over who would be the capital city. <laughs> That's Washington, D.C. is only where it is because it's in the middle. I mean, it's kind of in the middle of the East Coast. So for for okay. the original founding i mean th- there were other cities that could have been capitals like new york or philadelphia but instead they found this non-place so that it's it's kind of in the midst of everything so it's it, it again it, it it didn't it didn't really have a reality before it was founded as the capital okay so very similar right all right so if 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 all of this architecture is a kind of uh exoskeleton um and people are constructing it because they want to memorialize something um i'm just i'm i'm thinking about this it 
Is this what the church is doing in the construction of its churches? The church constructing church buildings. Is it? Mm. Is it? When you ask because that we, in the we have a lot of people arguing, a lot of people arguing over you know the church isn't is, isn't physical, the church is a spiritual reality. Right. Why do you need buildings? Ah, okay, yeah. So from that perspective, because I mean we believe that the church is is mystical, even though we have buildings. Mm. But I, I'm wondering whether or not this isn't the the intention behind having the building at least some of the attention behind having a church building because we do have uh we do have an architectural tradition uh we have our own architectural tradition but is that why or are we just building pretty things no i think um Okay, it's 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 not just building pretty things. I think there's the there, the McLuhan level here is the difference between the the medium, and so say mm -hmm. okay, so the medium is the message. Architecture as architecture will always be a message that's independent of the symbolism that is given to particular buildings or the use thereof. Okay. Um, Okay, this this is good. I'm having to think really hard now <laughs> because I want to just say no. The church is doing something different, but that that's cheating. Um, and I'm I'm trying to think about how my my previous thought about so architecture and story are intersecting, and we're talking about the mythology and the way mm -hmm. it's anchored in the architecture mm -hmm. and. I mean, I, I think my, 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 I'm going to run out the side door here of the story that the church is carrying has a different reality than the mythologies of nation. And now then I'd have to defend that. Okay. Yeah, probably. Let's see what the chat's saying. Mel says boom. <laughs> I don't know what day she, whether she was responding to that just now. No, so, but I mean, I like this because it means we've gotten to a very interesting problem of, of the, the reality of, t of time and time, time mm -hmm. and myth as expressed in the architecture. And if the church is simply like a nation, then no, these buildings are basically the same as, as building a capital. Which okay. I don't think that's true. My 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 historian sense is colliding with my McLuhan sense, and I'm trying to figure out which one which one wins. Because <laughs> McLuhan McLuhan actually understood the way in which the media are creating story, you know, sort of grounding it. Mm -hmm. So I was talking about the the that there's these memory palaces of imagination that Bruno and and the Renaissance adepts were. We're creating, but a building itself carries memory because of the mm -hmm. time time span that it exists through, and and mm -hmm. I mean the way people have interacted with it, but also it, it it's like a tree in terms of its its outliving human lifespans. 
so things happen in it and it carries that story which which is different now which is also in my thought it's different from the design that you give to the building itself okay so that's what it what what's being done inside it gives it the gives it the meaning um no i think there's something so so look you we start okay we we, we let's draw these threads together in this mosaic that we're painting or depicting right we have one the the ceremony around the queen's passing and how that's tied into the sense of uh identity that yes either australia has or the united states or the world i mean apparently most of the world two-thirds of the world apparently watched the the some part of the funeral yeah. um which is 0.66 of the world <laughs> Yeah, I paid attention to that for a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, that that sort of structuring of meaning in ceremony and storytelling and memory does or doesn't take in different parts of the world because of the presence of these either architectural or remembered stories. And we're trying to figure yes. out whether those i mean it's basically the secular stories versus the sacred stories and whether that we can make a strong distinction between them and for the roman story saying that that's a kind of sacred understanding that they have of what rome is mm -hmm. then it gets complicated because all nations do have this okay. kind of sacral reality and but I, I just thought thinking there as well it, it says so in the old testament because it says angels are given to the nations so that every nation does actually have okay. a have a angelic reality. It's just it's just Israel is given that one is Yahweh's. He's the angel of Israel, and all the other nations have their own angels. Mm. So is it just that the church has the right uh, no the right angel the the head angel the great angel, the Lord angel? <laughs> that's that's one way of going here. <laughs> Yes. Well, we have the we we have the the status of being a part of the British story. But what you've described to me is that there isn't the the ritual connection to the queen because we don't have the palace here. Mm. So, mm. so our monument, I'm, I'm just thinking about this in terms of like our monuments and the architecture that's being set up here. It's not connected to the living ritual of having the monarchy use it and be a part of it. Whereas what you've described with the church sounds more like this living mythology inside that building and somehow that needs to be a part of uh, a, a part of it in order for people to develop develop a story and remember the story it can't it's it's not just a written thing that's what that's what you've you're kind of making me think of mm. because if the church 
if the church sort of existed without the physical structures, what is it doing to keep itself the church? This is this is kind of linking. This back is a to good question. No, this is a this is an excellent question. Without all of the buildings, without all of the physical structures that we can point to and say, yes, that's a church or this is the church, what actually is it? What is the church doing in, uh, to to be able to maintain its story? Otherwise, we all get caught up in the endless wheels of fan fiction because, you mm -hmm. you know, you've mentioned that there is a distinction between the the mythology or the, all of the stories of, of, of the world and then there's the myth mythology and the story of the church. So if it's not the architecture, what is it? What is it that's keeping the distinction? What is it keeping us from rolling into endless wheels of fan fiction like the rest of human mythology? Well, I like where we've taken this question um, because what we're talking about is saying you could, all right, option A, which is what they try in Canberra and Washington, D.C., you can build, or, or Rome mm -hmm. even. I mean, I, I do think Rome and Augustus's period, I all all the, the imperial architecture was a fantasy version of mm. what you know, Virgil writes in the Aeneid, right? We are going to be this great empire. And most of what we think of as Roman imperial architecture is obviously after Augustus. The Colosseum, for example, is is later in the first century. Um, that Rome itself built itself fantastically. It's, it, it, we've been saying it's been doing it all along. It did it in the imperial period. It does it in the, I mean, you could say St. Peter's is definitely doing that in the one that we have now, but the, the medieval church was was also quite quite grand um that the the fascist stuff rome constantly builds itself its mythology its fantasy version of itself over and over and over again mm. and you can say does rome still believe in itself in that mythological turn in the i mean to ask the italians now whether they they have a sense of themselves as that city genius that that reality okay can you build yourself into your own mythology now to say london did that too <laughs> that okay. most of again most of what you know the tourists see if you go to a city and you see what the tourists see it's all this monument all the monuments the monuments in the united states that have been being defaced including the the washington monument and the statues and stuff like that these are all efforts to in fact enact the mythology which is also why they're being defaced and that is you know that that it, it's an interesting sort of testament to their continuing power that they're worth defacing in, in a sense, because you're saying okay. there's still some there's still some magic force. Oh, go, you know the the if the if the Washington Monument gets covered with graffiti, that does mean something is still powerful and active mm -hmm. in that structure. So all architecture is in fact creating a myth. I mean, a house is creating a myth. There's a home here, right? So so there's there's a mm -hmm. building. We're going to make it a home. Um, which which then raises the question: It's like why does it sometimes feel real and sometimes feel fake? 
say, why can't Canberra feel real? Because it's just as imaginary and it's sort of proclamation of ent in yeah. entity as Rome was at, at various points. Why, why does some architecture feel? And then you could say, well, okay, well, the old stuff feels real. Except for it, then, you know, people come along and say, no, I don't feel this is real anymore. This is not an expression of who we are as a community or a, I mean, the collective, I don't even know what the right, you know, nation, it was the old, it was the 19th century term for feeling yourselves a people. And there's lots of ceremonies that the Europeans invent over the course, Americans too, over the course of the 19th century to imagine themselves into reality as this collective. But it's, it brings me back again to what is the church doing differently to maintain its story amongst all of this? Are we are are we just imagining uh, our own myth amongst a bunch of other imagined myths? That's one option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or are we remembering something that other people forget? That's another option. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So what's interesting, I mean, for Christianity, and I think we have gotten to this, that, that we are wrestling with what the question that Augustine posed about the different cities, right? The city of the world and the city of mm -hmm. God. And yes. what Augustine understood was, the city of God was not identical with any one uh, political entity or even mm -hmm. secular world community, because he's writing after the sack of Rome in 410 by Alaric the Visigoth, who Vox has, Vox has talked a lot about, like why the Visigoths were even in the empire in the first place, <laughs> uh, misplaced mm -hmm. compassion um, or bargains that, the emperor shouldn't have made. That's what, that's where Vox gets his sink the ships thing for those who are listening on unauthorized. Um, so Alaric sacks Rome because he hasn't been paid. And then the Romans have to look at themselves and say, wait a minute, we were the eternal city. We've just been looted. Mm -hmm. And Augustine, not in Rome, he's in Car and in Hippo near Carthage at the time, ironically, um, has to come up with a reasoning for why Christianity hasn't betrayed the the, the empire? So why why is okay. it to say that the the Christians aren't responsible for the sack of the city because the gods have been abandoned, the old gods of the city have been abandoned? Yes. Because there's all these you know the Christians they've abandoned the 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 actual traditions and mythology and sacrifices and genius of of the ancient empire and that that's what you know the christian argument becomes at least in the west is there's a difference between that set that worldly world that worldly entity of the city and the true city to which we belong as christians now interesting constantinople's not sacked until for until somewhat later <laughs> and so mm -hmm. the orthodox tradition doesn't develop quite that same understanding of itself because it hasn't had to wrestle with this distinction between who are we in the world versus who are we in 
truth in in our heavenly reality. So they they didn't have the same uh, lag time in terms of loss of empire. Well, the Orthodox uh, the Orthodox end up transferring theirs to 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 Russia partly. Right, so we end okay. up with the Orthodox, the current Orthodox Church arguments. I mean, you say the Soviets destroyed the the Church, but the the, the Russian feeling of the, the nation belongs to the and and the and the Church belong together carries from that mm -hmm. that that continuing conviction from Constantinople after its its loss in fourteen fifty three, whereas the west rome in the west had had to deal with its loss of imperial authority mm -hmm. and yet it's continuing existence as a place for the 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 the, the, the church much long much you know, centuries before the eastern church dealt with that okay which is different from Alexandria and so Jerusalem then, and Antioch, which <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we have yeah. old Rome uh, and the problems. papacy <laughs> and the problem of, mm -hmm. of the sack of the city. Constantinople yes. or New Rome and its continuing um association with the Empire, and then its sack and loss in fourteen fifty three, and then we'll go back to my incredibly and uh, hilariously now topical Russian church, <laughs> you know, the, we always manage. This is, this is interesting. Uh, my pictures worked out after all, um, that the mad, the magic of the, of the mosaic arc, uh, that, that, that current, you know, current Russia is trying to identify itself directly with that, that church reality. And all of this is that that's this mystical level of city story people and 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 how they feel themselves as defi defined by i guess the architecture the the story and the inhabitants so augustine talks about city of man versus city of god city of the world so city of the world it's all human city of the world city of the world yeah so technically secular so right the secular versus the the heavenly the city of God, the cyclum, the age, the city of the world. In that sense, then, what is the architecture of the city of God? Because if it's described as a city, hmm. there has to be an architecture. There is an architectural component to a city. It's got to be different. Different from... Well, okay. Different so this is the, interesting. This is secular. This is interesting because it, here McLuhan actually helps because you say architecture is an expression of our humanity. It, 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 it mm -hmm. and that's why that's why you say modern architecture is so horrible because it, it, it's, it's, it's been disrupted. It no longer belongs to our human experience. I mean, E. Michael Jones has talked about this a lot that. Modern architecture mm -hmm. is, I mean, you say, the fascist brutalist. I mean, it gets even worse, right? That that you end up with architecture that has no relationship to bodies. I guess it's built my machines, so why would it? Mm -hmm. And it's it you know it's it's more inhabited by machines than it is by our physical selves, and 
it, I, I, you know, a church should be, in fact, a representation of the soul. <laughs> it, it should be built okay. so that it is, in fact, a human, a human reality. What would what would a good example of this be? Oh, well, a Gothic church certainly. <laughs> um, okay. But but the thing is, I think I think churches built by human labor. If you think about pre-modern churches mm -hmm. built by human labor, I like I'm liking this answer in my head um, and in my heart, are going to be more directly an expression of our physical and spiritual reality than buildings built by machines. We've 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 abstracted too far through the machines to architecture that no longer expresses that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this this conference I was at last week, um, it's a um, architecture school at Judson University, which is an evangelical school up in the north, the north of the city in Chicago. It's it's outside of Chicago. It's actually mm -hmm. north north of here, and um, you know, church architecture is a very controversial subject always because it is trying to express both a use and a spiritual experience that people get quite passionate about. I mean, the modern churches that evangelicals will build tend to be assembly churches. So you're worried about the pulpit mm -hmm. and the place you're know, watching the, the preaching and about creating a, a sense of gathering, right? So they look like, they look like auditoria. I mean, yes. going, going back to the ancient auditorium where you have a theater and a stage, right? The, the modern, modern evangelical mm -hmm. churches look very, you know, Greek theater, <laughs> which just occurred to me, right? Um, whereas churches focused on the altar and the sacrifice have a different kind of, tend to have a different kind of structure. Um, what's the what's the focus on uh, in that sense? How does the structure change? Well, so medieval churches, medieval Gothic churches are much more about processions. And therefore, mm -hmm. it's like you look at the, the the chapel where Elizabeth was was encrypted. Uh, actually, <laughs> interesting. Um, the, those those long naves are good for um, the the kind of processional liturgies that were popular in 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 the medieval period, and mm -hmm. th they also work for that they created long sort of paths for pilgrims to go around various external chapels and visit the different um, relics that the, the churches held. They also, but they also have a, Gothic churches are often described as they have a human shape, right? So that they're like a cross or like they're, they're like a body with the head and the, the nave is the body and the transept are the arms and so forth. Um, I think this is we're we're diverting ourselves from the question of exactly why you know, can you have an architecture that's truly Christian that still partakes of the city and to what degree mm. is the city nation architecture story different for a church from a nation maybe it's not I mean maybe the nation should be Christian there we go we solved it bye no 
maybe I mean maybe maybe the Christian nationalists are right and you have to have this wedding of people and and church otherwise you just don't exist there I like this answer a little bit better I mean <laughs> no what's interesting for 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 Torba and um Isker his his co-author Isker is I think mainly the author for that book um they're really thinking in evangelical terms so they're thinking in this congregational form much more than in mm -hmm. the the liturgical form that that you and I tend to talk more about um, so I've, I've, I tended to find that particular discussion of Christian nationalism a little bit thin because it's missing the, 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 the liturgy and the sacraments that I would think are as mm -hmm. are necessary. Um, but on the other hand, they, you know, they could be, I, I think usually we're tapped, we're, we, you know, we can come at the same, the same, the central truth from different directions and we can end up and all suddenly go, wait, how did you get here? So I'm, I'm fine with that. That's sort of, we're, we're figuring out how do you get there? Um, that the nation should be the church. Maybe that maybe that is the reality that we have to figure out how to d express for people. Hmm. Well, Mel is now saying yes, and theater altar versus sacrificial altar. So I think so. I do think these congregational churches are theaters. There, you know, you have a stage mm -hmm. where the choir performs, where the preacher performs. The, the idea is to make sure that the audience all feels itself in 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 um in sympathy with each other that that they that they i the best i have is is this camillo's memory stadia right that you should feel yourself all focused on the drama that's going on 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 that stage now the this the the sacramental liturgy is also dramatic and there's a great drama that goes on at the altar but it's it's focused differently. Yes. I I I'm not sure we can. Well, I'm not sure we can make this clean these clean distinctions that we need to in order to satisfy a a meme. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking memes. Well, We're breaking uh, memes. I don't know if you. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the the interview that Sheila Booth did when he was talking about. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but he was talking about his conversion to Catholicism and playing Padre Pio, mm. Saint Padre Pio, and he was talking about his experience of liturgy as drama. So you just reminded me yeah. of this. So in that in that sense, the church is a kind of dramatic theater, mm -hmm. but not uh, not in an evangelical sort of sense of of uh, Greek that Greek drama. Um, because of course our priests are not facing us for most of it. They're facing towards the iconostasis. Right. Well, so the thing, but so the thing is it... the Greek theater was a religious festival that this is, this, mm -hmm. this is not inappropriate. Um, okay. So now, now we've gotten to, you are interested circling background, huh? Um, to yes. the mystical that you said pantano was trying to get at that the romans were enacting and and here's the real problem the yes. greeks enacted their sense of sacred reality through their theater we, we know that the the, the, mm. the theater was performances for sacred festivals they were I mean, the greeks don't they don't go into the parthenon as a group and worship there the the the, the ancient temples where where the cult statue was kept only the priesthood goes in there and the community 
enacted itself in those theaters. So the the, the drama okay. is actually appropriately a religious festival. The Romans tended to enact themselves communally in the um, circus and the gladiatorial games. And okay. those were also held as religious rituals. And I watched a lot. If you watch a lot of 1950s biblical drama stuff, they did a good job in the 50s in Hollywood <laughs> showing the way in which. I mean, the reason you have a sacrifice of Christians in the, in the Colosseum is because that's a, that's a sacred place to make sacrifices mm -hmm. to the gods. And you are giving the sacrifice of the, gladiator, the gladiators' battles and the animal fights and the christians being fed to the animals and such those were offerings to the gods and then two ways of remembering that event okay so this brings me back to the difference between the mythology of the city of men or the, the, the city of the world and, and the city of god or the church because we have the the coliseum as the theater of this uh, blood sport where Christians are being sacrificed and the church remembers that event completely differently to the way that the secular world would have remembered mm -hmm. it. So to Romans, you've got uh, a, a typical day of slaughter. We've thrown some strange cultists into the arena and they've been completely like slaughtered and it's great. It was lovely entertainment. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Well, I mean, Augustine talks about it as entertainment and he's worried about his entertainment, but I think, and, and, and it was certainly, you know, rousing and bloodthirsty, but the reason that mm -hmm. the Christians have to be killed because they're threatening the state. Mm. They are threatening the existence of this mystical entity that we've been talking about. Okay, but the, the they're they're kind of a threat in the sense that they're telling a different mythology right. because this uh, this is where I'm kind of linking the two the two stories. So we've got the, the rolling wheels of fan fiction. Stick with that. That's <laughs> a really good thing to help people figure yeah. out why this is so hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's rolling wheels of fan fiction outside in the secular world, but then there's the church, which has its own very particular mythology. Because the church, do, the, the church would not have seen the sacrifice of those Christian martyrs in the same way that Romans in the... Um, uh, I, in the seats around the uh, around the arena would have seen it so the church has a retelling of history which is completely different to the secular yes i think this is where i'm, I'm kind of coming we're getting to the impasse now of, of what we're remembering versus what everyone else is remembering right. and why right so the church remembers this, that event as the martyrdom of saints and the the crowning of of witnesses to the risen christ whereas the roman world is looking at it as getting rid of uh, a nuisance to empire well so an actual threat two, and remember what i said about yeah. the, the reason augustine has to write the city of god because as they understand it the the reason the city was sacked is because the lack of the the storytelling, the lack of the worship, the lack of the mythology laid it open to destruction. And, and so that, you know, mm. that you, 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 that those Christians are dangerous because they threaten the existence of the city. 
So when the story collapses, the city collapses. Yes. But 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 what what's interesting is the yes when the story collapses the city is feared to be collapsing and what we what what what's interesting about this for our present moment like right now is that's why we're all in such chaos uh mm -hmm. around the world i mean okay so elizabeth just died 5.7 billion people apparently something i don't somebody gave that number who cares mm -hmm. Two thirds of the world's population watched that. They could see that the story was ending. Something, yes. something, you know, terrible happened. Even though we all knew she was going to die, cause she was ninety six and you know had 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 lived well, um, but she was holding a story that now is is in is over. She by herself, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Somehow that 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 I I do admire her immensely. Although I have worries about her family, um, by her own faith, and I mean, we my family and I always. My husband's actually English, so although I'm not sure he's a monarchist, which is complicated. I'm more of a monarchist than he is, maybe. Um, that we always watch the Queen's speech for Christmas, and there is mm -hmm. that. I mean, she gives that to the Commonwealth. She gave it to the to the world, and would be a Christmas speech. It would actually be a Christmas speech. Mm -hmm. And we know now that we've lost someone who's going to give the Christmas speech because it's not really clear that Charles is going to give a Christmas speech. No, <laughs> I'm not really sure if the head of the Church of England is going to give a Christmas speech. Isn't that an interesting mm -hmm. crisis in the story? <laughs> it's a big crisis in the story. It's a very mm -hmm. big crisis in the story. And so what we're you, the the theme that we've been I think wrestling with all all evening is this or in your day um uh yeah. when do the stories when when do I mean it's faith in the, in the sense of the reality of the story when do the stories seem real and when do they seem fictional when when do they seem mm. constructed and made up Well, can you trust your memory? This this is kind of why mm. I wanted to have the discussion on memory as okay. well, because according to this writer, a part of what the uh, the fascists uh, uh, wizards <laughs> call them wizards because they're wizards. It's just you know it's wizardry, like uh, like Owen always says. But it's correct in this sense because they really were wizards. Um, so we've got this uh, attempt at creating a kind of aristocracy out of the development of uh, uh, elite intellectual and spiritual powers included in that is the mnemonic uh, development. Mm. So who is going to be able to remember and who is going to be able to forget? And I've, I've talked about this somewhat regarding the, the COVID situation in Australia because, right. once again, we seem to have slipped back completely into public amnesia, um, something that didn't happen that long ago, which for everyone in the rest of the world, I'm sure you would have looked on uh, from the outside and seen that things got a little spicy down here. <laughs> I find it really interesting that we were almost in uh, – at the stage of declaring concentration camps 
to be an acceptable um, solution, then it's discussing it. Really? No one's talking it's about it. It's just gone. Uh, yes. Okay, so we have, I mean, camps and building and, and this, the, the architecture and the memory. It's very interesting. I mean, and you can have the buildings there and people not even believe what they were for. I think is is interesting yes too. yeah well what i suppose th this is this is where I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking on okay we've got we've got this amnesia here that has occurred that doesn't seem to be as strong in other parts of the world um and then what we're actually doing as Christians in our church is developing our memory, but in a different way. Because instead of trying to construct a fascist system, because mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not trying to construct a fascist system, but we are trying to remember, we are trying to develop our memory, our collective memory as Christians within the church. Um, what we're actually doing it's not uh it's not that different to creating monuments we're just uh but it's not just building the church building itself because we have to remember church history ourselves in that by definition we're not secular we're not in the world right. we're responsible for the we're responsible for the archiving and for for the memorialization of the church's story and the church's mythology it's completely on us to do that otherwise if we were relying on the secular there wouldn't be the distinction between the, the secular and the church it would right. be other people tell us what our history is right does that make sense yes well what i what as you're speaking i was like okay this is my remit as a historian the only true history mm. is christian <laughs> <laughs> and and I so as you're talking, I'm saying that I okay. So here here, here my manifesto. Um, Christ anchors time. Quick. Christ anchors time. We know this. He enters mm -hmm. into time. He enters into Roman history in the Augustan period. Mm -hmm. Right there's Virgil making up his story about the Aeneid, and Jesus enters into the world into time. Um, I did get that book that I mentioned last week about the Gospels as storytellers. I'm now going to read it. And it, re it references my professor from New Testament that with Jesus, we actually have time um, in truth. Okay. I, I, mean, I mean, the strongest version I, I can say of this is Christians tell history, everybody else tells myth. <laughs> Or not myth, and, okay. not myth in our positive sense of the the sort of pointing to these the the, the heavenly reality and the ways in which pattern and, and so forth works, but in the sense of your rolling wheel of fan fiction that never mm -hmm. is anchored to reality, so it can be con continually reinvented insofar as the state needs it to be, insofar as the power needs okay. it to be. I mean, the 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 mythological version I would say of this is Christ is true. And the rest of it's demonic <laughs> in the sense of the demons will just create yet another version of whatever their kind of power trip is to bespell everybody into serving that state. 
and and that that is the that okay. like, this this I just made a huge leap. So we'll, <laughs> I don't know whether we can unpack this one in 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 the time we have promised ourselves to allow. Um, that without Christ, we're in this this constant phantasmagoria of changing stories. Mm-hmm. Because power will constantly remake yeah. itself build new monuments to itself, build new versions of itself, eradicate. I mean, we felt you, you were describing this as utter amnesia of the tyranny mm -hmm. that was enacted. We'll just erase it. We'll, we'll just, we'll just, you know, relabel the buildings, re retell the stories in the past. Christ, Christ actually demands for us to pay attention to who we were. You're sinners. <laughs> Um, know mm -hmm. that story, remember that story, own, you know, take responsibility for your own actions, which is anchored, anchoring your own self and your personal history. I mean, anchoring our nations as collectives in their own sinfulness. You, you and I have been talking about that with the vending machine people and the pirates and the, the empire. I mean, we want Elizabeth to be, to have been conscious of the responsibility that she had as queen which i think she was but the the mm -hmm. problem that the world is facing is the degree to which the elites in power now are willing to take responsibility for the lies that they've told in order to maintain their control mm. i mean i'd say that the the fundamental reality is christ calls us to truth and that is history mm -hmm. rather than this fan fiction stuff So it's, it's, it seems like in this way, I can, I can understand and sympathize with somebody who would like to go up to the Washington Monument and, and pour paint all over mm. it. Because I suppose for someone who wants truth and who is beginning to be somewhat conscious or semi-conscious of the rolling wheels of fan fiction right. and can feel that this is, this is an instability in narrative there's no anchor. They can feel something's off, that things are constantly manipulated and whatever. But without having the the Christ-centered uh, uh, anchor to to keep you in 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 a kind of his in the history of Christ, uh, it makes sense to me that people want to reject these monuments because they're instinctively understanding them as props in theater instead of uh giving giving the the obeisance to these things as sacred uh sacred objects which they only are in the sense that uh they're sacred objects to a particular a particular uh myth or a, you know a that object is sacred in somebody's story and in another person's story it's not sacred well i think what we we've, we've we've interestingly sort of wrestled through is the difference between the 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 sacred that is the aura of the the worldly authority mm. but, but, i mean but i mean rome considered itself sacred the, the prior to christianity and so like i say that's why they have the christians killed because they worry about threat and it's it's not just a, okay. it's not a political. Th I mean, the Christians are obviously not dangerous because they never did anything. Um, 
except take care of each other. And, and, and I mean, even when Pliny is writing to Trajan, um, famously uh, saying, saying, what are they doing? Oh, they, you know, they meet together and sing songs and take care of their poor, right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 Roman, the Roman officials were perfectly well aware of the fact that the Christians weren't doing anything. I mean, mm-hmm. gossip and, and, and slander aside, that most of the, it's, they, they are a threat to the, the sacral integrity of the empire. So okay. worldly power, I mean, that's why you could say in Christian terms, it's demonic because there's something, you get angels and demons. And um, I, I was I was talking yesterday, uh, two days ago to Rob Crozy, who's been tweeting about me and how much he learned in our conversation. So, you know, follow up on that. Um, and I, we were talking about angels and demons and I say they're the same being. Right, angels and demons are. I'm I'm doing a class this this coming quarter for graduates on angels and demons, and there's you know all the sort of philosophical questions that come out of it. But the the primary thing that you have to get first into your head is they are the same kind of creature. It's just the mm-hmm. angels are focused on praising God, and the demons are focused on their own devices and control and but they're literally the same kind of thing. And, you know, human beings are similar, right? We were either focused on God or we're focused on our own, our, our own ego, self, power, control, stuff like that. But it, it, saying that demons are demons, it's like they're, they're angels who are no longer focused on God. That's it. Mm-hmm. And therefore they have that. Do they have memory loss? Do they have? Do they have memory loss? I don't know. I'll, I'll I can get back to you on that after I read Aquinas. Okay. <laughs> they have intelligence. Okay. They have understanding. I'm not sure they do. Angels have memory loss. I don't know. I think usually they know everything. It's it's the choice. It's will is their primary role, right? The 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 the, de- the demons chose to turn from God. Okay. But they, but they have the same kind of spiritual existence. So saying a demon is in charge of the city as opposed to an angel is saying the city is focused on its own devices as opposed to on praising God. And presumably a nation, mm. a nation could be the same. Yes. So that, well, well, that explains then the, that explains then why the, uh, why Christian history is uh well was so terrifying to rome yes not only are we t- not only are we are we anchoring history beyond the rolling wheels of fan fiction and ruining uh constant retelling by saying that, that the definitive point of human history is the incarnation of the logos right. jesus christ but we're then redirecting the attention from worship of whatever was going on in those mythologies to christ himself right okay and then that that's a sort of defiance of That's a defiance of all ritual that isn't the the worship of 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 the Lord. 
ultimately. Yeah, I, there's a, it's 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 it 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 gets very simple if we get to to this point, right? It's like either you worship God or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so that the powers and realities are all actually of the same order. It's the 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 singular difference is directed towards truth or not. And I mean that that's I say if you're not directed toward truth, you can't tell a coherent story. One, I mean, and and in in this sense, for for Christian history, um, and this, I was thinking about this with respect to the Christian monarch, right? Christian monarchs, it, in it's in the seventeenth or 18, in the seventeenth century when um, monarchs are actually claiming more than they maybe should in in authority. Um, that you develop political theories of of divine right. In the medieval period, mm -hmm. the king knows they that I, I feel like I've said this before, but I'll say it again. They serve by the grace of God, which means they serve only insofar as they serve. And and Elizabeth, I think I think Queen Elizabeth understood this. That she, you know, this is why no matter what, can you know, it's like Elizabeth II served constantly. She was always, mm -hmm. you know, very, very um self-conscious of how much duty she had in her role and that kind that kind of sense of responsibility the king the monarch carries the 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 people carries responsibility for the people carries you know the, the, she could have been more at she could have been an advocate for things that we wish she had been an advocate for but that she did understand that that was her purpose which is not a, a, a position of power it's a position of service and that that the medieval monarchs you know were constantly challenged by the the clergy over the ways in which they were exerting their authority but the 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 pious the ones that we know that were pious and tried to be christian tended to acknowledge themselves as you know davidic kings in the sense that david was a sinner too <laughs> so you know that the, the proper role of a king is in penance to recognize how 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 much um everything he has is because he's in this position that God has given him to, to take responsibility for. I lost my thread. What was I talking about? Uh, I'm thinking maybe that's why we were, uh, we were all watching the, the Queen's funeral. I, yeah, I definitely. Maybe that, that's what everybody's missing. Um, maybe a, a kind of recognition of service. She had that. that very rarely see. She had, she had that more than anybody else. Now, I mean, nobody alive has that to the, maybe mm. her grandson. I'm hoping that William has, has some of that. Charles, unfortunately, seems to use his responsibility in order to be on his own missions, which to be fair, you know, since he's 73 now and he's been prince for all this time, it's like, what was he supposed to do? But he was supposed to serve, not, mm. um, not be the spiritual leader, which she, I mean, she did say that, but it seems to me that she did listen to the archbishops in Canterbury. And anyway, I, I think I was thinking about something else. So saying that we rec we recognize that Elizabeth did have this this more ancient understanding of what the monarchy was supposed to mean. So in that in that sense, she was the 
reminder. She was the she was the memory link between what what the ancient monarchy was supposed yeah. to do versus what it became, and that's why the world is uh, mourning so much. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Because Australia has an amnesia, but it has a desire for service. That much I know. Mm. It's a it's a a country created out of that kind of service to empire. So that's interesting. We've got we've got some more people commenting. This is great. Huh. Old Lion Bear, thank you for joining us. Old Lion Bear says, you're awesome. I'm glad I finally found you live. I was never sure what time to tune tune in. Yeah, so we have we you found that we had the telegram notices go out when we when we go up. Um Milk one Mike one thousand, the stone that the builders rejected. Mike one thousand, uh -huh. the Christian monarch is a servant in imitation of Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Um Old Lion Bear is saying, I'm reading these out of order. Sorry, guys. World War III has begun. Never fear physical death. All that matters now is purity of soul and the love and power Christ has chosen. Yes. And Artex, welcome. Um, well, I feel like we saw, we, we got, we solved some problems and we're being about in the to be continued dot, 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 because one, I've forgotten what I, I got, I've forgotten what I was, I was pulling together in there. I mean, I, I think, well, I, I guess I was still thinking about Christianity and responsibility. There we go. That, um, mm -hmm. to study history as a Christian, you have to be con constantly conscious of sin, which is what the, the the scribbling on the Washington Monument was trying to do, saying I can't remember what it said because it was rude and I was going to repeat it anyway. But something to say we we do to recognize the degree to which the government has not, in fact, fulfilled its role as as responsibility. I mean, most I think unfortunately mm -hmm. most people look to the government now as the I mean the the the, the charity, the source of you know all support rather than I don't know we're not going to go there, but the the Secular history is always looking for the the trick to make sure that you don't lose power, perhaps. And Christian history is mm -hmm. is looking for the ways in which we have failed to live up to the kingdom of God. Mm. That's that That's sounds pithy. Well, <laughs> well it, it, I feel it like our audience deserves some clear. answer having stuck with us this evening we did this this sort of it, rolling it, wheel it, of, it, it of exploration why, why Republicans are looking at the funeral of a monarch that they otherwise want to throw in the bin yeah that's the only explanation it makes sense How how can you be a rebellious anti monarchist and glued to television set and mourning a queen? Right. I've 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 mentioned this since the queen's passing, but it's it's like confounded me because it's so Ill illogical. I just I just cannot imagine how it, it 
to to mourn the loss of pageantry of monarchy and yet at the same time be consistently pushing for a republican it doesn't make any sense so yeah that makes sense it's a service people want the service yes and and i think i i think i i feel like we can't solve this yet no. i don't know ever I, but the, the the we've we've unpacked the problem in in the right way um how do you activate that sense of of the i mean we want to be christian okay fine <laughs> but how 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 does I mean, maybe that is the answer that without, except for the Roman, I mean, the ancient Romans did invent it to a certain extent. They were able to invent this, this pageantry and this, except for the fact that the empire was quite brutal and did mm -hmm. have those, those, those games. I, I feel like we've, we've gotten to the point where we know what the question is and I don't know how to answer it yet. How do you could because I mean the Christian nationalists are trying to rest wrestle with this. You can't simply build a building and make it the magic building work. Um, it it doesn't work yes. simply with one charismatic leader. You know either a, a Trump or a Washington or that something else has to be happening that the people recognize themselves in the leader. Otherwise, it's just fascism or or, or totalitarian um, theater. Mm. Well, maybe this is the to be continued. I th I think we're, I think we're at the to be continued. Guys who are watching, do you have any ideas? Um, Mel says she thought her coronation was divinely instituted, but that was thrown away with statues of Mary. Okay, we need to bring Mary back in. We'll get her back in. Casey Elizabeth II mm -hmm. was the last reminder of what a Christian monarch should be. The people mourn the loss. Mel says, Wheel of Fortune. Yes, oh, Fortuna. We can play some, we can play some uh, Carl Orff to, 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 play, to play us out. I don't know. I feel smarter I think, and just as confused as we were when we started. I don't know. How, how do we chat? I think we have a good, we have a good question now. What was the world remembering when it was staring at Elizabeth's procession? Well, I think we, I think I understand that. What, what I don't know, and this is, this is the sort of the invention of, of, of history, the invention of community, the invention mm -hmm. of, I mean, we, we're, we're trying to find out is where does faith come from? Where, where do you suddenly, and what I was going to say back when I first invoked Augustine is what Augustine understood as conversion was the recognition of yourself in that story, that the recognition of yourself in the, the story right. of the, 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 the church. And we are trying to understand how we bring people to that. I would say. Mm. From fan fiction to history. From fan fiction to history. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think we should leave I, it so there. thank you all so much for joining us and um we promise to continue <laughs> with, yes, with this definitely. with this particular um uh exploration of the electric mosaic. Thank you for joining us tonight. 
and um, God save the queen. <laughs> oh, the king now. Long live the king. Till he can to recognize the role that he's supposed to have. That would be nice. Pray for Charles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Night, everyone. Mm -hmm.